the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And uh, let's talk. I don't want to talk about it in any way that makes people excited, and I'm sorry to say that, but I, I let's talk about the Olympics. Okay, we're going to talk about the Olympics in a few moments. And later on the program, we will have an interview with a uh, policy expert, <clears throat> excuse me, out in Colorado who has written a piece uh, that we will uh, cover in some depth, depth. Excuse me, his name is Kelly Sloan. Kelly Sloan, who uh, I guess a businessman also, but he's a fellow over at the Centennial Institute, which is a place that I like. It's at the Colorado Christian University. Uh, and he um, wrote a piece on Biden and his failure of leadership regarding Ukraine. We'll also touch base with Todd Benzman of uh, the... Um, uh, Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org, uh, get an update. I just did a TV interview earlier today about the topic uh, that Todd and I are going to cover. He has uh, written, and is amplifying, as he would say, a story about the um, about the border breakdown as it relates to national security. Because what's happened on the border is that not only is it uh, millions of people pouring through uh, every year, but also bad guys. And I guess bad guys, but bad guys. And one guy was on the FBI watch list. He was came through, was detained, and then somehow magically uh, Washington, D.C. intervened and got him released. And so we have this uh, really bad dude on the watch list who's released, and uh, Todd Benson's on the case. We'll talk about that. Uh, but first, let's talk about the Olympics. Uh, the news that's out and it's all over the editorial boards and things I saw the Wall Street Journal on this is that China uh, is making its, its, um, it's making its people that uh, come there, uh, the, the uh, excuse me, the um, athletes and others, the company coaches and all, that they're required uh, to uh, not use their phones. They're, they're not, I don't know if they're, actually, I don't know if they're totally required. I don't know if they're required or if they're recommended. But the reality is that everybody who uh, wants to go is using their own phones because um, you'll be watched. And you'll be to do business in China. Tell me they don't bring their laptop, they don't bring their real phone. And so someone called this the burner Olympics, the burner phone Olympics. Here's what I want to say. I'm sorry that if you work for 20 years, you know, 15 years to become an Olympic athlete and you make it, that this is the year that it's being held in Beijing and that China is one of the worst actors in human history. I'm sorry about that. And I'm, I want to be encouraging for people that work so hard to get to the position to be a, an athlete. That's impressive. Um, but I do have to say the, 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 the Chinese regime, and I had this discussion earlier this week, forget if you don't want to call it China, if you don't want to call it communist, if you want to say, and a lot, some people do, they want to say, oh, they're not really communist, they're not really, they're, they're, it's not really their ideology, I, it looks like it to me, it looks like it to me, but if, if not, just describe what they do. Their stated goal is world domination. Their stated goal is to damage other, world, other nations' economies, including ours. They, they, that's their goal. And what they've done is the largest tech transfer in history by, by crook or by hook, I mean by theft or by, uh, or by payment, a bunch of American companies decided to throw in with the Chinese and get paid to turn over their uh, uh, intellectual property. But most of them, it's been stolen. And, you know, we have had over and over in the months uh, on the show, we've had folks that have talked about the reality of what it's like. In fact, remember the Hollywood um, guy with uh, uh, that, that in Hollywood, they they wanted China wanted to do everything they could with Hollywood until they figured out how to do it all for themselves. And then they threw Hollywood out. They stole the you know, ideas. They stole the technology. They stole the and they moved on. And that's happened in every one after another. You know, the, the Chinese economy has ex- advanced in the last 50 or 60 years like it took most of the rest of the world 200 to do. And they now put the Uyghurs in something akin to concentration camps. They, they persecute the Fulan Gong adherents. 
they are, are not per, they're not allowing free uh, Christianity. Again, it is their nation. If they want to be a Buddhist nation or a Hindu nation or whatever, they're not Hindu, but uh, like in uh, India, if they want to have a different religion, I, it's not my deal. But they're persecuting other people. And then they're sending to America the parts to make fentanyl. And they, did, they say this. They're doing it. And we're losing 90,000, 100,000 young people a year to fentanyl overdose. So it is, um, it is a, uh, th- this is a bad, bad place. Uh, let me say it better. This is a, a nation, China, that has leaders who are doing bad things to the world. Really bad. And we haven't even brought up the reality of the Wuhan virus. That whatever happened, I think history will show, well, maybe I should say it more loosely, that the, the odds seem high that the Chinese regime was either behind the Wuhan virus or they managed their response in such a way that the rest of the world was at a disadvantage. One of those two things is true. And it, it, it seems to me that it's likely that both are true. But the burner phone Olympics should be an embarrassment. They should be an embarrassment for China. I don't hope people are sick. I, I do not hope anyone gets sick. There's a, a, a Omicron surge in China. Uh, they're locking down tens of millions of people. Uh, but I, we, don't want to, we don't want to wish for sickness. I do wish for embarrassment for the Chinese regime. I do think it should be clear that it's a disaster for sponsors, for others. Nancy Pelosi is saying that uh, the athletes should try not to say anything uh, while they're there just to not embarrass uh, the Chinese regime. Really? That, that's the standard? And I guess, you know, you could go back in time. And you could say that the Americans were in, in the uh, 1936, was it, Olympics? And there was, um, was it 36 or 32? The Jesse Owens Olympics were held in Berlin. And so, you know, that, that's, I guess that you could think to yourself that, um, you know, should Jesse Owens have known what was going on? I'm not sure what the year, the, uh, the year that, that was. Uh, uh, but the, the Chinese regime, I hope, will be embarrassed. And I hope that the world doesn't watch. I mean, I'm not going to watch a minute of it. I'm not going to support any of it. Yeah, 1936 was Olympic Games. So you think about that. Um, um, Hitler had already been acting poorly uh, by that time. So, but... Um, you know, doing terrible things in the world, um, even though World War II had not started. Um, so, but I'm not going to watch a single. I'm not going to watch a single minute of it. I'm not going to support a single minute of the TV. I'm not going to support the sponsors. I'm not going to. Again, I'm sorry for the athletes. It's a tough break that this is the time that that happened to them. That they, you know, this is uh, bad luck, really bad. But it doesn't mean that we should stop um, pointing out how corrupt, how broken, how terrible the communist regime is in China, and that 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 un- until they change their behavior dramatically and probably that they get out of power, but I don't, I'm not going to sit here, sit here and argue for, uh, uh, for uh, a regime change in China. I'm not, I'm not arguing for it today. I will say that it doesn't look like there's any way that they can make themselves better. Until that's done, I don't, I don't think anybody should do business there. I don't think anybody should watch the TV coming from there. I don't think they should be happy about it. I don't think they should say in the long term it'll turn out. I don't think any of that. I don't think that there's any room for compromise on the burner phone Olympics sponsored by China. And I guess the harder question would be, if you're one of those athletes, do you look for an opportunity to say something or do something? I mean, I've never been a big fan of, you know, 22-year-olds, 20-year-olds having to be these movers and shakers in these, like, uh, Olympic games and things. I, I just feel like, you know, when you put a microphone in front of Michael Phelps and he's, you know, 20 years old and after 17 and a half years of swimming to get to that point, are you asking him to make a comment on something else? I don't know doesn't seem like a necessarily a good idea or particularly fair. Of course, in the famous uh, images coming out of uh, Mexico City, uh, where, oh, let me see if I can remember their names. The Mexico City Games was, uh, um, one of them was um, 
uh, Juan, oh, I wish I could remember their names, the, uh, and they put their hands up in the air for uh, Black Power or whatever, iconic images, um, 1968, I think it was, in Mexico City. And um, the... Um, uh, but I, so I don't know if the, I don't know if the athletes should have to do anything. I'm not sure that it helps. I'm not sure that it helps them to be uh, somehow um, the ones that are uh, going to be, you know, making a comment or anything. I just don't know. I don't buy that. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, let me get it right. Uh, Tommy Smith and uh, John Carlos were the two Americans that put their hand up at the 1968 Olympics. I don't know if there'll be a moment like that. Is there a way that there could be a moment like that at this Olympic Games to, to, to focus the world on what's happened? Don't bet on it. You know why? China's probably going to control the, the, the information coming out, the feed and video and everything else. It might not even get out. We'll see. Anyway, pretty bad when you are, have your Olympic Games are already called by a name that is so demeaning, the Burner Phone Olympics uh, and the Chinese uh, state, um, what they're doing. You'll, we'll put, I'll put up on social media this Wall Street Journal editorial. It'll, um, it'll make it clear. All right, everybody, we'll take a break. Come back. We will talk with Todd Benzman, I think, next, and later Kelly Sloan and a lot more. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Todd Bensman, our old friend, is with us again. I think it's, um, uh, you know, if I could, I have to tell you, if I could have Todd Bensman on the show every day, I probably would. I mean, he's got to actually do his job, but he uh, he is over at the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org, and he is um, on top of uh, the issues that people ought to be paying attention to. More and more they are. And one of these ones is just a few days ago, he published a piece um, about a Venezuelan Whalen, who was on the FBI terrorism watch list, who was um, who was released in a border crossing. Now, his book, Todd Benzman's book is America's Covert Border War, the untold story of the nation's battle to prevent jihadist infiltration came out about a year ago in February of uh, 2021. It's a good book. It's on my bookshelf. And so this is a topic he knows a lot about. So welcome back, Todd. How are you? Great, great. Glad to be here. Just back from D.C. and before that from Tapachulo, Mexico. Well, so what I want to ask, yeah, what I want to say, though, is um, we could talk about a lot of things. We talk about the policies, the numbers and all. What's the reality of the of the jihadist, of the terrorism problem? And and when I say that, you pride yourself on getting to the bottom of it. You're down there, you're observing, you're listening, but you might only know the tip of the iceberg. So, I mean, is this at this point, what is the reality in your estimation of of bad guys, bad gals coming into the country through the border? Well, they're coming. There's no question that they are uh, coming through the border, people who are already on the FBI's terror watch list. Just a a week or two ago, the former chief Border Patrol agent, Rodney Scott, said at a public uh, conference that in his last year in office under Trump, they had 14 uh, who are on the watch list actually reach the border and get apprehended. Uh, that's too many. Uh, remember, only 19 hijackers sent America to war for 20 years in Afghanistan. I mean, you know, small numbers pretend very great consequences for the country. So, uh, but, you know, we, we are at an elevated threat, in my opinion, uh, normally. I think it's usually a kind of a low to moderate threat because we've got these great programs, but I think that that is considerably elevated now because the border crisis has swamped all of our normal management systems down there. 
and our people and our agencies are complete on both sides of the border, I might add, not just on the American side, but Mexican immigration and the Mexican National Guard are completely overwhelmed, too, by the numbers of people that are coming through. And man, that just is a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. I've just got my fingers crossed and praying. Uh, we're talking with I mean, Todd it's Ben. White, not, it's white knuckle. Yeah, we're talking with uh, Todd Benzman. So this, um, th- tell us the specifics of this uh, of this Venezuelan. I guess I guess the Venezuelan is actually a, a Lebanese, uh, or at least by birth. Uh, tell us uh, the specifics of what we're talking about. We're, I mean, we're not talking about we're not talking about. Um, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, Joe Smith, who's upset about something. This is a ser- These are serious people. So give us the color of what you have in this report. OK, uh, in early December, uh, a Venezuelan crossed from Matamoros to Brownsville, swam the Rio Grande, smuggled in, had to pay a, a coyote to get over. Mm-hmm. And when he was apprehended to claim asylum, they ran his name and he popped on the FBI's terrorism watch list. So he was on the watch list as a Category 5 group member with highly derogatory intelligence associated with him. This is biometrics, so this is not a uh, false identity or something like that. Uh, And the FBI came down and they interviewed him and In their assessment, they recommended that he continue to be held. But somebody at ICE headquarters in D.C. intervened and ordered him released on his own recognizance to Detroit. This is highly unusual. In fact, I've never heard of such a thing. Um, Almost in all of my research and my book, America's Covert Border War, I mean, they get deported uh, after we're finished with them. We don't let people on the watch list into the country to pursue asylum claims ever, never. Uh, So I don't know what happened there, but the reason that they gave for their intervention was that they couldn't keep him in there because he was at higher risk of getting COVID-19 because he was overweight. Really? I mean, (laughs) yes, that that in Washington, I think you could probably go from cubicle to cubicle and you'd have the, uh, that, that, (laughs) that, uh, uh, okay. What's your best guess? I mean, we're talking with Todd Benzman. Todd Benzman is a senior national security uh, fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. All his writings there. He's blogging and writing. You know, you're. You, I mean, I know it's a guess. I know it's your, your conjecture. But you know, you're you're now uh, you know decades into experience on on seeing facts and and a mosaic and saying, huh, I think the most likely truth here is this. What's your best bet? Uh, my my best bet is that the people that that ordered this, maybe they were political appointees, uh, maybe they were far you know liberal progressive political appointees who don't buy into the FBI's stuff about terrorists crossing the border, and just blew them off. <laughs> you know, it's my it's my best guess. I don't have a better explanation for that. Uh, this is not supposed to happen, but. Uh, in fairness, um, you know, I didn't really break this story. I'm just amplifying the story, as are you, thank you. Right, 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 right. Uh, there's a, a, a reporter, a former New York Times reporter named Charlie LaDuff, who lives in Detroit and works in Detroit, who was given the sensitive government file on this guy. Somebody was so upset 
uh, about what happened here that they leaked this file and the information to Charlie LaDuff, who doesn't know much about any of this stuff, but he saw a story when he saw it and he ran with it and published it. And he is still on this story up there. And I was on the phone with him yesterday and he said that he has interviewed this guy now and his family, and he's interviewing them again today. So I'm really eager to see uh, what he's got. And I loaded him with some questions to ask the guy too. So um, um, I'll be curious to see what happens here. This is a developing story. Uh, it, it appears that, you know, this, this individual is probably going to be associated with Hezbollah, which is a U.S. designated terrorist organization that has officially allowed to run rampant through Venezuela for years and years, 20 years of Iran and Hezbollah having free reign in Venezuela. And it's going to have something to do with that. Uh, is there any reason to to jump to a conclusion that the reason it was Michigan is, I mean, it's almost like right now with the heightened awareness of the representative from Minnesota, you'd say, oh, you know, a Somali national gets released to Minnesota. You kind of, ha- is there any reason to think that the reason it's Detroit is, I mean, I mean, is it as simple as this guy had friends there? That's where he wanted to be released? Yeah, he, yeah, he, he had family uh, in the area. So you know, they, they probably paid for his smuggling trip. And, you know, there, there's a huge Lebanese diaspora in the Detroit-Dearborn area. Uh, in fact, some people mockingly refer to Dearborn as Dearbornistan. But the populations are so are so significant. But I think that's, that's what happened. He's got cousins and relatives that live there. And uh, he had attempted, Charlie tells me that at one point, he had attempted to get a, a tourist visa in the past and he was denied on grounds that he was on the FBI watch list and he tried to get a green card, a derivative uh, green card based on a relative who had a green card there. And they turned him down for that too on the ground on that. And so he came over the border instead and he got in that way. Um, we're talking with Todd Benzman again. Uh, 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 go to uh, CIS.org center for immigration studies. You'll find him there. Um, is the, is this issue um, changing again? Todd Benzman has been, how to say, in the vineyards on this issue, working away for years and years and years, and writing a book on it and all. So, you, again, as a as a journalist or just as a a man, you get to you can feel the ebb and flow of how people relate to the issue uh, of immigration. You know, the polling in the last couple of weeks said that people are fed up with inflation. They're fed up with crime, uh, whatever. Uh, how's this the issue of, of the border? Uh, how do you think it's it's kind of feeling for the for the general public? Well, my my gut on this is that it has really fired up the Republican base across the country uh, and that it is almost non-existent in the uh, other hemisphere. Uh, as an issue, uh, there may be some independents, though, swing voter type independents that will care about this, but it is registering it uh, nationally as one of the top uh, five issues that will animate the midterm elections and probably keep going in 2021. Um, the Biden administration, it's a great piece in the New Yorker, uh, you know, every once in a while they do a good piece mm-hmm. about a, a Biden advisor uh, on the far left uh, who resigned over 
changing immigration policy in the Biden administration to harden things up and to make things tougher and to not follow through on some of their more radical ideas. Uh, that And we also have seen the departure of uh, two other senior immigration advisors in the White House just resigned a couple weeks ago, and that makes three and probably more will follow. And I think the Biden administration is extremely aware about that the mass migration crisis that these people fomented in the beginning is going to damage the party in the midterm and probably in the 2024 also. The um, yeah, I just don't know. I mean, that, that that may be true. I just don't know how you unring the unring the uh, the the bell and the, the feeling of that people get. It's going to be interesting uh, to see. All right, Todd, I got to run. Todd Benzman, I'm sorry, I'm out of time. As always, I'll put up on social media the piece by Todd. Go to Center for Immigration Studies. We'll be interested. I just was checking the author again. Um, it's uh, Charlie Laduff is his name uh, on Twitter. I I'll make sure I just tweeted with you and him on something. We'll see where that story goes. And uh, and uh, thank you for all you're doing and keep uh keep in close touch okay todd thank you all right thank you all right everybody we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back it's ed martin here on a pro america report back in a moment Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. And I'm very interested. This uh, my next guest. I was I think we scheduled him one other time and I messed it up. We had a conflict. He is a public policy fellow over at the Colorado Christian University and Colorado Christian University. Christian University has a an institute called the Centennial Institute, and they do great stuff. They have interesting topics. I've been very impressed with their presence uh, as thought leaders. And so Kelly Sloan is over there as one of their public policy fellows. He himself is a former uh, journalist way back. He's a political and uh, a public affairs guy. And he wrote a piece in Colorado politics called Ukraine's Biden problem. And the tough thing is I rescheduled him once or a few days after that piece ran. Things move so fast, Kelly. I mean, it's almost like who knows by the time this this uh, this story, you know, this interview runs, things will change 10 times over. So first of all, welcome and uh, congratulations at Centennial Institute's grade. And so is uh, is the university. So thank you for being with us. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me. So first of all, what about the growing split of the class of people who think they know better and most Americans? I, again, I don't know all the polling. feel like most Americans don't want war right now, whether we're tired of Afghanistan or we've changed our positions. You know, we don't want war over the Ukraine. Is that, is that split? Is the country divided? Meaning, is it somewhere uh, close to, you know, 50-50 or 40-40 with some undecideds? Or is it the Conoscenti wants one thing and think they know better and most Americans don't? Well, yeah, I I think there is a split. I don't think it's that wide. I think you're right. I think most Americans don't want war. Uh, We've been been at war for uh, uh, for about 20 years now. Um, There is... And I think there's probably a split. Well, there's always been a split within the national security community as well right. over how to deal with this. Now, obviously, I I think most Americans can agree that the American government doesn't really have a direct interest in issues between Russia and Ukraine and the rest, you know, the rest of the uh, former Soviet republics. Those have been going on for well, well, well before the Soviet Union, and those don't don't involve us directly. What does concern us is an emboldened and a strengthened Russia, which can pose a threat to our uh, Western European allies, can pose uh, complicate things in Asia with uh, with China, 
uh, can pose some some energy issues. So that's our. I think that's the concern, and I, I think the national security implications for the United States over this whole situation would be if Russia does manage to take over Ukraine, which it could do. Now you've got a Russia that is, you know, has a, well, a lot more land, obviously, some more agricultural production, a lot more natural gas production, uh, <clears throat> and is just, you know, a, a much stronger, bolder, bolder threat to us. So here's a problem. Instead of, uh, we don't have to go to war with them. What we ought to have done in the first place was the same thing we did, you know, in the Reagan years uh, is a deterrent. What we should have been doing is making sure the Ukrainians were well armed, putting in some prohibitive sanctions ahead of time uh, mm-hmm. instead of after the fact on, on the Russians and just make it too expensive for them to do it. Right now, that's a it's a win 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 for the Russians. They uh, uh, they get to force the United States to spend a bunch of money. They get to you know sow this discord within within NATO. Uh, they can keep this going for as long as as long as they want to and wrangle whatever. Uh, whatever they want over the West, because we don't have a strong enough leadership right now in the American government to be able to do the things that we need to on the foreign policy front to deter some stuff like this before it does become a problem. Uh, we're, we're talking with uh, Kelly Sloan and Kelly Sloan uh, has uh, worked as a journalist and uh, political and public affairs and, and, and uh, is currently a uh, public policy fellow at the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University, which I admire that uh, university a lot. So uh, Kelly, um, in history, I mean, I, I love history and I read it, but I'm not a historian uh, per se, but in history, you know, uh, you watch this now and you say, well, wait, uh, at the current moment, Russia and, and Germany have this Nord Stream 2 uh, pipeline deal, which is effectively, it's not tethering Germany to Russia. It's Germany saying, we got a big market. We'll buy it from you. You'll sell it to us. We'll get a good rate. And Germany go, and Russia going, yeah, I want to sell you my stuff. But it certainly creates a, uh, if not an alliance, it creates a set of, of, uh, of, of, um, norms or something, what are contracts and others that make it, you know, less likely if you're in a contract with your neighbor, if you and I are neighbors and we decide to, you know, build a, a, a an extra driveway and we enter into a contract, it's less likely I'm going to kind of fight you because we're in a contract. Maybe I'll fight over the contract, but that's a different thing. So we have a situation where despite um, Germany and others saying, oh, my gosh, contain Russia. Uh, Ukraine is, needs to be in NATO or we should defend them. They're, they're, Ger- Germany's happy to be in this relationship. What's the reality here? I mean, can can Germany afford to isolate Russia? I mean, that's one of the tricks in this. We're, we're told slap sanctions on Russia, make their life miserable. When Germany's basically saying, we'll pay you to sell us uh, stuff and we'll all win, 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 right? Well, sort of. So the, the reality is, you know, Germany has kind of on its own uh, tied itself umbilically to Russia uh, for energy with, with Nord, uh, Nord Stream 2. Uh, <clears throat> Germany, you'll, you'll recall, uh, gave up all of its other sources of, ener- uh, of energy. They outlawed coal mining. Um, they've, they're shutting down all their nuclear plants and they don't allow fracking. Uh, so, so they have no other, no other source of source of energy. They tried solar and wind for a while, but of course that only amounts to about 20% of the uh, energy that they need. Um, so they've given up all their other sources of en- uh, domestic energy energy production, uh, tied themselves now to uh, Russia's natural gas. And you know, that's that's one one of several reasons why you know, you, we've got this kind of split in NATO right now, why Germany is kind of the weak link. Germany doesn't want to contain Russia. Germany wants uh, 
you know, Angela Merkel and, uh, 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 you know, and President Trump kind of fought over this uh, quite a bit. You know, she was always kind of, you know, this, this uh, appeasement minded towards Russia and uh, very dovish towards Russia. And now she's gone, the, the new Social Democratic Party, that uh, coalition that took her place is uh, even more invertebrate against uh, against Russia. Um, and there's a lot of historical reasons for that. You know, they, uh, Germany still has this, you know, this national guilt, which you know, they, they probably deserve. Uh, over you know World War II, even going back to World War One, <coughs> um, and there you know there, and, and there's a lot of other reasons, but uh, you know, and then part of the issue with Nord Stream Two, of course, is it was clever on Russia's part. Not only did they you know now are one of the sole providers of of natural gas and, and energy to a large part of Europe, but that also bypasses the Ukraine, so it uh, it, it, it further isolates them. Um, uh- uh, yep. So, so we're talking with Kelly Sloan, and again, he has a piece up uh, over. I'll put I'll put up on social media, ColoradoPolitics.com, an opinion piece there on the Ukraine, uh, Ukraine's Biden problem. Um, in what's the best? You know, again, what's the range of of paths forward? In other words, people hear, oh, you know, uh, Biden sent over some troops. Um, you know, Putin is rattling his saber. Yeah, there could be war. There might not be war. There might be incursions. What's you know, what's and you talked a little bit about this. I mean, <coughs> where's the where's the path forward? What you have to have at some point is a path forward where Putin tells his people, see that I, I did what I wanted. And, and they go, oh, yeah, look at that guy. And our, our people say, oh, good. We didn't end up in a war. I mean, where do you think we're headed now? We're now a few days past your piece running in the paper. Again, we're talking Kelly Sloan, who's a senior, excuse me, a public policy fellow at the Centennial Institute, Colorado Christian University. You know, where's our path forward? Well, our path kind of kind of gets narrow and dwindles the longer we go on because we don't have the leadership, uh, in my judgment, that we that we need in, in the White House. You know, we, we're going back to that this Obama era uh style of foreign policy, which is really to not have a policy and just to be reactive, just go from one crisis to another and, you know, without having any any sense of direction. Um, you know, people can criticize uh, uh, President Trump, and and I have too, to a certain extent. I think there there was some uh, legitimacy to, you know, the argument that, you know, he did kind of let our, uh, some of our uh, uh, alliances, you know, drift. Uh, on the other hand, he did <laughs> get a lot of our NATO allies to start paying their fair share, which was uh, uh, something that hasn't really happened in 60 years. Um, but when Biden came in, you know, he swore up, you know, his, his foreign policy platform was, I'm going to rebuild these alliances and we're going to, you know, we're going to be, it's all going to be wonderful. Well, he didn't do that. Uh, the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, uh, and we can argue whether we should have been there or not, but the way the withdrawal was done was uh, about as bad as it could have possibly been. And a couple things. First of all, he didn't even inform any of our allies of what was what he was going to do and you know this ridiculous timeline. So they were all caught by surprise. And now with you know with that precipitous withdrawal, all of our allies are kind of looking at that and saying, "Huh, the United States spent 20 years and you know million billions of dollars, uh, time, treasure, and human lives in Afghanistan, and they left, abandoned it overnight." What are they going to do for us when they, you know, we haven't had that kind of, uh, uh, so our allies are looking at that. Our adversaries are looking at that. Uh, you, so you're building weakness on top of weakness. Uh, and we don't have the leadership right now we need to 
be able, again, to deter. Nobody wants to go to war right now, especially, mm-hmm. especially with Russia. I mean, we're talking World War III if this happened, right? Right, right, right. <coughs> uh, yeah. and, and, uh, but a foreign policy, if you have a foreign policy, and that's where Reagan was so uh, was so successful is when you know, when he went in, you know, he had some some very uh, you know great foreign policy minds and you know and his leadership. Uh, so we had some some to kind of guide us. Uh, you can make the argument even under Carter uh, uh, with uh, uh, Brzezinski, you know, at, at, as uh, Secretary of State is probably the wrong foreign policy, but at least he had a policy going forward. Obama didn't have one, and you look at the disasters. That happened, you know, on, on, on his watch with Libya and you know the buildup of uh, of ISIS and uh, uh, North Korea and, and everything else. We're back. We're back to that. So, what is the path forward? I don't. Again, I, I, it really kind of starts at the top. The reason I you know I titled my column "Ukraine's Biden Problem" is because you know the Ukrainians do have an issue with they need uh, uh, a strong United States. Our, our allies in Europe need. A strong United States to be able to lead, not lead from behind, like you know the you know the old o- Obama era, uh, which is really what I think uh, uh, Biden is trying to do right now. But somebody to lead yeah. from behind, yeah, yeah, um, less with allies. And it's uh, it's funny, we'll Kelly. Again, Kelly Sloan, uh, and I'm out of time, but uh, so thank you. It's uh, Kelly Sloan is a public policy fellow at Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. I'll put up on social media. Go to centennial.ccu.edu and find out more about lots of great stuff on that website and what the Centennial Institute is doing. But you know, uh, and and Kelly Sloan's piece that ran over Colorado politics. I'll put up also, hey, Kelly. I hear it so often. It's about leadership. I don't I don't know whether that's even more uh, an issue. You know, maybe in the past you didn't see every leader every day all the time but in america now with the way the media is social media the leader is biden and it's a failure and again it didn't mean you have to like everything that trump did but he was clearly reveling in and embracing the role of the leader and uh i just keep hearing it over and over the need for leadership and 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 how there's a vacuum and and how to fill it um and and somehow guys like putin to be honest, he understands it like Trump did and has the ability to fill the space. Again, I'm not arguing for his policies. I'm just describing the space he's in. Maybe you guys should, maybe Centennial Institute should do a uh, symposium on, on leadership. I got to run though, Kelly. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Kelly Sloan for being with us. I appreciate you very much. Thank you very much. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. I'll put all that up on social media. It's very interesting and a good conversation. Take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. As we enter the second year under President Joe Biden, the award for the worst prediction of the year goes to those that said Donald Trump would somehow fade from political influence. Anti-Trumper Karl Rove gushed last February 11th that Trump was effectively tarnished for all time and incapable of running in 2024. Congresswoman Liz Cheney may have taken Rove's advice, foolishly betting her political future on a banishment of Trump from the political stage. Instead, it's Cheney who's being shown the door and will likely be humiliated in her own upcoming primary. Democrat John Kerry, whose presidential ambitions crashed in defeat to George W. Bush back in 2004, declared last April that it will not be possible for Trump to come back. (laughs) More wishful thinking from the man in charge of shutting down America's energy industry as Trump roars back to lead the Republican Party into the 2022 midterm elections. 
In contrast with blander politicians, Trump's heartfelt passion propels the GOP to a status it has never had in our lifetimes. He and his outspoken supporters, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, the congresswoman from Georgia, have turned the tables on the bipartisan establishment in Washington, D.C. Representatives Lauren Boebert and Burgess Owens also number among the fresh faces of conservatism on Capitol Hill. Phantom votes, which are ballots cast in the name of people who never personally filled them out or are not even legitimate residents, were not enough to save liberals in the recent Virginia state elections. As redistricting gives Republicans the opportunity to win many new seats, including six of Arizona's nine districts, phantom votes will not enable Democrats to hold onto Congress either. Party politics aside, the moral of this story is that a determined conservative willing to withstand the crowing vitriol of the left doesn't have to throw in the towel just because he's been told to. Conviction is too great a force to be reckoned with. Let's work hard work smart, and press forward in our calling to make America a better place for future generations of patriotic Americans. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let me finish up. Uh, I want to finish up by telling you, reminding you about something. I talked about it a long time ago. It's been a long time, and I want to uh, remind you, every morning I get, and and I'm a pretty bad snob. I, I unsubscribe to things that if they're not good every day or maybe every other day, I just don't want a daily email from something. I know you are signed up for the Daily Wink, most of you, and we try to keep that really quality and short. Well, there is one email that I get every day, no matter what. And it's called The American Minute by Bill Federer. It comes into my inbox. I wish I could tell you what time. It's in the morning. And it's always – Bill Federer is a, is, a, is a historian. He's originally from St. Louis. I know him well. And he's, um, he's a historian. He's a lawyer. He's a businessman. He's been a political guy. He's an activist. But he writes The American Minute email. And it's always so dense. It's the format – is kind of dense and you have to get used to it. He does like ins and outs of, uh, stories and he writes a lot of books. He's got one book called America's God and Country, which is an, actually an encyclopedia of quotations. It's really good. It's really useful, but he writes these emails and today's email, the American Minute, and you go to America, if you go to AmericanMinute.com, AmericanMinute.com, you can read them or sign up. Today's is about the Battle Hymn of the Republic about the effort to abolish the slave trade, about the history. It's just wonderful. And so my encouragement is go to AmericanMinute.com, AmericanMinute.com, and sign up. Just sign up. It doesn't cost you anything. And you'll get the daily email from the American Minute. And see if you don't like it. If you don't like it, it's easy to unsubscribe. 
I think you'll like it. AmericanMinute.com. Bill Fetter, he's a great American treasure, and uh, his work is really wonderful. So check that out. Okay, I got to run. Thank you, as always, to our great producer, Noah Dingley, our associate producer, Joanna Spilger, and all the rest of our team. We'll take um, a weekend off. I will have a weekend, everybody. Go ahead into the weekend. I hope you have a great weekend. No Super Bowl. Someone said to me, Super Bowls this weekend. It's not this weekend. It's next weekend. Uh, but we will uh, take some rest and be back next week. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.